This week in retail news, Ulta Beauty is coming to a Target store near you. Meanwhile, retailers are preparing for a winter of inventory challenges. And this just in, China's Singles Day just banked another record-breaking year. We've got the scoop and more on today's episode. It's Monday, November 16th, and this is your Retail Rundown. Today, we're joined by my guests, Christine Russo and Bob Phibbs. Christine is a retail consultant working in data analytics, inventory forecasting, wholesale sales, and brand growth. She also runs Connected Retail, which produces short-form video updates about digitization of the retail industry. Bob, also known as the Retail Doctor, is an internationally recognized business strategist, speaker, and -and brick-and-mortar expert. Christine, Bob, thank you both for joining today. Great to be here. Thank you. Great to have you. We're going to kick off with the biggest news recently. It's covering two of our favorite retailers, Target and Ulta Beauty. So they announced a partnership deal last week to open makeup and skincare shops inside of hundreds of Target stores. Launching next year, each shop and shop will be about 1,000 square feet and house curated assortment of established and emerging prestige beauty brands. Some of these stores will be equipped with Ulta's digital tools, including virtual try-on technology, and customers will be able to shop in person or use Target same-day services such as curbside pickup or home delivery by shipped to get their online beauty purchases. Bob, I'll pass this to you first. What are your thoughts on this huge partnership? Well, if anybody wonders what the legacy of Ron Johnson's disastrous leadership of J.C. Penney uh, <laughs> led to a mass exodus of their customers, where did she end up? I think we can all say probably Target. And this is bad news for Sephora, who really staked that that turnaround was going to happen in J.C. Penney and didn't. I think it could be great news for Target. I think Target's certainly hitting on all cylinders as people are thinking about locking down, you know, they're going to be blessed with the your essentials. So buy your cosmetics while we're open. But you do have to ask, with over a thousand locations that Ulta already has, is this going to be oversaturation, particularly on the East Coast where they have so many locations? And I think that's probably a pretty fair worry if I was in Ulta shoes. I think Target wins no matter what. All right, Bob. So you said bad news for Sephora. You pointed out that they were relying on a big JCPenney turnaround that never happened. Good news for Target no matter what. You're a little bit concerned about the oversaturation specifically on the East Coast. Christine, what are your thoughts? I found it to be a curious matchup myself. I feel like Wall Street yawned at it, in some cases applauded it, in some cases thought that it was a shop within a shop is not really as novel as one might think going back to either JCPenney or even just a department store model. In terms of cannibalization, I think if you look at Walmart math and where they 90% of the population lives within 10 miles of a Walmart, I think maybe they're going after that. I think also the differentiation with the bringing in prestige products into Target is maybe another move. I think Ulta wins with this because they sort of are piggybacking on all of the strength of Target. And I'd be really curious to know when the discussions happened and when they thought they could execute it 
because maybe they were trying to get it done and out there while we were in lockdown and while Target was deemed essential. And that would have really been genius. Yes, I would like to know what that timeline looked like as well. And it's important to note, I think, that makeup has really dropped in a lot of categories of makeup this year. And there's been a report by NPD Group. They said 70% of consumers scaled back their usage. So I really think of this at least during the pandemic, as a win in terms of customers know what makeup they regularly replenish. And now knowing that you can get it at Target instead of going to Ulta, that's huge. But I will note that Ulta has been building a lot of stores over the past few years, so it might hurt their own footprint a little bit. I think that's a valid concern. And I'm curious what their consumer, who that is, you know, Dwayne Reed, an awful lot of drugstores upgraded their cosmetics. And obviously, I am not Ulta's ideal customer. But you do have to ask, are we getting to a saturation point for women with cosmetics when we're being told the younger generation doesn't want as much makeup and as uh, going more natural and that they don't have money for things like this. So again, I stand by the oversaturation just in the category itself. That's an interesting point. I think one of the interesting objectives for both Target and Ulta was to combine and get exponential growth in their loyalty programs. They combined, they have a hundred million people that are active in their loyalty programs and are digital customers. So while it's a sort of brick and mortar play per se, there's a huge digitization aspect to it behind the scenes. I would agree with that. And I'd also add there's a lot of D to C growth in makeup. Just look at Glossier, for example. And I think there's a lot of Gen Zers who are more interested in newer indie makeup brands. So we'll see how it goes. The next thing we're going to cover is on inventory. But first, I wanted to tell our listeners a little bit more about Vtex. Vtex is the first and only global, fully integrated end-to-end commerce solution with native marketplace and OMS capabilities. Vtex helps companies in retail, manufacturing, wholesale, groceries, consumer packaged goods, and other verticals to sell more, operate more efficiently, scale seamlessly, and deliver remarkable customer experience. Find out more about what VTEX can do for your business at www.vtex.com. Let's talk about inventory. We have Black Friday, Cyber Monday right around the corner. Retailers have been stockpiling their holiday merchandise. And if we look at Amazon, Walmart, and Target, they began importing customer electronics, home appliances, and athleisure ahead of schedule this year as they're preparing for a holiday shopping season like never before. At the same time, retailers are also scrambling to replenish inventory in the possible event of another coronavirus lockdown. Christine, what advice do you think retailers aiming to become more agile with their inventories should be looking at? Well, it's funny because coronavirus 1.0 in general sort of out there was dump the inventory wherever you can. We don't know when we're reopening. And then when we reopened, they either had dumped it or we were obviously in a new season and they couldn't get back into their any inventory positions. So coronavirus 2.0, where people are stockpiling, is a complete 180 from where we started. In general, in inventory planning, taking the pandemic out of it is you're going to want to replenish and have inventory as close to selling as possible. So in terms of 
replenishment and having a constant flow, that's usually the best advice. And I'm really thinking here about apparel, not home goods, but apparel retailers where the if the pandemic can shift the industry to really be more buy now, wear now, very big concept, hasn't worked in the past. But if this can finally trip us over to that philosophy, we're going to see a big difference for manufacturers and retailers in terms of profit. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that, first of all, the stockpiling is a complete 180 from where we started with the pandemic. And then apparel, if we can get to that buy now, wear now space, that will change and impact a lot of different areas. Bob, what's your take on the inventory challenges retailers are facing? Well, I think most people, most apparel retailers have really shrunk to put in the basics and something that would entice or be different or a little more cutting edge has been left to the direct-to-consumer brands. And I think that's a big miss because customers go into a, particularly into a boutique or a mall store to see what's new. We want to go in and see something that's going to enchant us. We know we might want to get something but customers are motivated. They're not browsers anymore. If they walk in and put on a mask, they're going to buy something or they're going to want to buy something. And so I would encourage the retailers who are scared and have gone back to that basics, I think, uh, is a challenge. But let's make no mistake here. Retailers at the holidays are going to cut themselves wide open with margins because someone is going to say, we got to move this stuff, whether we make money or not. And Wall Street will allow that to happen for most of the big boys. But it is still going to be a promotional holiday season. And I think that when it comes to inventory management, the real question is, where are we in six months? Because the supply lines have still been broken and not rebuilt very well, particularly for the higher end items, and meaning people have the money to buy it, but you're out of stock. That's a bigger concern for me, because if that wanes or if things change in the economy with a new president, then they may be left out in the cold and not being able to ride this wave of new hedonism, which I absolutely believe is going to be what's on tap for holiday 2020. Well, I love the idea of new hedonism. I do think there's so much pent up demand. And with cases rising right now and travel sort of questionable, there's definitely retailitis out there where people want to be spending. I love the idea what Bob says about kind of fast forwarding and jumping over the next six months. We really need this to cause a, a change going forward. And hopefully this will do that. And in the meanwhile, I think that people need to just continue to understand that the money is there and they need to have the right things. And to Bob's point, playing it safe is not necessarily the way to go. Mm -hmm. And I also think that new hedonism would be amazing. I think a lot of people are still not traveling. So hopefully there will be money to spend, especially in items Target, Walmart, and Amazon have been importing, especially with electronics, which are more expensive and home appliances. Do you guys think Target will eat a loss? I mean, you said Wall Street will allow it to happen, but I've seen a ton of promotional activity like never before from Target this holiday season so far, just as a shopper myself. I think that Target and Walmart and Amazon will be Q4 winners. Let's talk about Target and Walmart. People are kind of creatures of habit and they their feet have been reprogrammed to walk into a Target or a Walmart because of the lockdowns. So you sort of were like, well, I need some lettuce and some cream and sweatshirt. Where would I normally go? Well, I, I ended up at Target because of the lockdown. And well, wait a minute. Wow. They sell this and they sell this and they sell this and they sell this. So 
feet have been reprogrammed. So no, I don't think they'll be, they'll have a loss. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to jump in. Okay. Jump in. Let's hear it. I have to jump in. Target is going to beige up America even worse than the worst <laughs> malls. Because the reason why we go to a Whole Foods is because it's better and it's different and the experience is different. And the reason we go to the sporting goods store is because you're going to find these different and better items, which are probably not going to necessarily be made in China. And they aren't going to be price promotion driven. And if we don't realize that we really just do become rats to the cheese and that somehow the government has decided the winners and losers in a capitalist society, and I consider myself a pretty progressive voice, but if you don't see what's going on with the small businesses and why they are hurting, as well as the restaurants, because the big have gotten bigger and we seem to just go, well, that's the way it is. I think especially as Biden comes in, I think you're going to see city leaders suddenly realizing, holy crap, the big have gotten so much bigger. Our downtown will never recover. And if we don't do something about the malls and find a way to get these people working, we're in trouble because one out of four jobs depends on brick and mortar retail. I don't care you have Omnichannel. I don't care you have a magic mirror. At the end of the day, it's still people coming into a mass environment to buy things and to just kind of wholesale say, well, you know, there's winners and losers everywhere, I think really is uh, naive. And that's not what either of you have said, but I just felt like the idea that this giant target and beijing up America, as you said that, because I've gone to a Walmart grocery and oddly, it's not the same as a Whole Foods. (laughs) Bob, I will have to say, just have to jump in here, two things. One is that it's clearly evident that the color beige has done something to you in your life because I I remember when I bought a beige couch and I told you about my couch, you said, I hope it's not beige. (laughs) And here we are talking about beijing up America. The second thing is we were talking about this before we started recording and you talked about the path of gap. And I just wanted to have your thoughts for the listeners as well, because it was interesting what you said on kind of where they're headed, because it's the same thing. I think it falls under that beijing up America. Well, but Gap is closing 300 mall locations. It must mean malls are terrible investments. No one's going to the malls. Uh, No, what it means is no one knows what the hell the Gap brand stands for, and they're not voting with their wallets anymore. They're voting with their feet. I can't think of a time I was in a mall, and admittedly, it's been a while, but I can't think of a time I was in a mall in the last five, 10 years that there wasn't a promotion of friends and family or 40% off this weekend only or something with the most beige materials that you could imagine and no compelling reason why a guy or a gal would buy a $65 pair of their jeans instead of a $20 at Old Navy. And you forget that Levi's was why Gap existed. It was a partnership so that Gap would carry everything that Levi's had. And that's why their stores were so big, because they were never out. You could only get a truckload of jeans like twice a month or something, which is why they had to have all of that. And now Hmm. they're closing 300 mall stores. It must mean, no, it's not what it means. It means that we still have leadership that doesn't understand what the brand is, has come up with anything. Remember, this is a brand that came out with Groupons about 10 years ago saying, oh, this is the way of the future. And you look at Levi's, who has the brand name, they're opening 100 mall stores. They are doing incredible partnerships like their Lego collection, and they are looking at new ways to really hone in on who their customer is and how they tell that American branded story, just like Ralph Lauren and some other brands. And yet Gap continues to make news 
with these half-hearted stories and kind of like J.C. Penney and, and Sears before it and Pier One and several others where we're blaming someone other than take ownership. We don't know what your brand is, what it stands for, either fix it or get someone who will, but you can't kick it down the street anymore. What do you think of that, Christine? A great example of that is Bed Bath & Beyond. Great new leadership in there from Target, CEO from Target. By the way, Target is apparently the best thing to have on your resume. Everyone is getting placed in great leadership roles. Thank God bless. And they've been changing out the C-suite. The stock has been soaring and they are expected to perform and deliver on the promises that they have been out in the news cycle quoting that they've been doing. Now, back to my target comment, I think that they've pulled market share. I want to leave the independent retailer out of this because they are my heart, my soul. They are the heart and soul of the community. But Target has successfully pulled from the gap from TJ Maxx, who has not recovered from the pandemic. They have inventory flow problems. Their stock price is stuck. They are not performing yet. And so to your point, great leadership and vision and sort of saying, this stop, stop the carousel. This isn't working. We're going to change for a kind of old school retailer, be it a gap or some of the other brands that you mentioned and really change everything deep, deep down like Bed Bath & Beyond. They're the ones to watch. I think they're the ones to watch. If I were at a mega brand and say, you know what? It worked. Let's, uh, they're the blueprint to follow now. Great thoughts on Bed Bath & Beyond. sure it's not the gap? Are you sure? <laughs> sure. I will say we did cover Bed Bath and Beyond a but little. We have Kanye, isn't that? No. Oh enough? yeah, that's. <laughs> even though he was threatening to pull out of the Gap deal. I know. We never heard anything else from that since then. So you know, I I just want to say about that. I really rolled my eyes when they announced that because to me it has no soul. It has no. It's like an accessory. You're taking something and you're just layering something on. It's bad architectural design. Mixed versions of architectural design, so to speak, would be an analogy. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't think, uh, yes, it moved the needle in terms of the stock, but I don't think it's going to cause that real shift in what the gap needs. All right, I have to jump in one more thing, Julia. So last (laughs) week was the infamous tweet that Gap had with the hoodie with blue and red. And it was like, we need to come together. And it was like, oh, what an innocuous tweet. And I guess some people flame them. So instead of saying, oh, this is who we are, we believe we should all be together. No, no, no. They had to delete the tweet and then apologize, you know, and then and then pull back. I don't know if they apologize, but to pull it off and to retreat. And would you see that happen from a Starbucks? No, this is who the hell we are. This is what we believe. Think Target when they people got upset about the bathrooms, like, well, never shop there. Great. Well, this is who we are. This is what we do. What does Gap stand for when you turn on an hour after putting out the most innocuous, if anything, they should have made the damn hoodie. I didn't realize that that wasn't even a real piece of apparel. They should have made the damn thing. But people said, too soon. I didn't realize that either. It was just a mock-up. It wasn't a real, oh gosh. The whole thing, you're just like, seriously? And yet people saying, oh, they were tone deaf. Really, really tone deaf? We should come together? People don't seem to realize, I don't care whether you supported Trump or Biden, their success is our success. It's mm-hmm. that simple. Either we get behind it and we say, we're going to the future together, or we sit in our little holes and we 
comment on social media. <laughs> we just want to be angry and pissed off. And that tweet was offensive to me. Well, great. So do you want to hold the train back? Because I would rather work in the future because it pushes me forward. That's what we're missing in retail. I was keynoting a grocers conference yesterday morning, and they were saying, so what would you do if you were a grocery store? I said, I would clear out that middle aisle and I would put up colored lights and I would do something that said fun and elegant. I would put up a champagne section in the middle and say, celebrate, it's Friday. And I would do everything I could to jumpstart our creativity and our fun again. But that's, you know, we just got to be safe. We got to, wait, come together? Wait, no, we don't, wait, we got to be careful here. We got to leave them. Let's get somebody who wants to put on their big boy pants and put on their big girl pants and do the damn job of leading your company. Lead retail away from some of the industry publications. And there's one of them in particular that I will not say on your program, but who (laughs) thrives on saying retail's dying. And here's another reason these people are dying and department stores and other people that there are hopeful signs out there. Look at Rite Aid, their prototype that they just announced today looks amazing. Look at Bed Bath & Beyond, who was moribund eight months ago. I was like, oh, they'll never get out of this. Look at the retail, Lululemon. Look at the ones who are doing it. Let's find a way to find more of that and commit to making it fun again and get out of the the worst is still to come. I like it, Bob. We need more positivity. And I think the ones who are doing it right, kudos to them because it is so hard. It's a challenging time and they're thinking outside of the box. So it's really great to see. And Christine, great thoughts on some of the retailers you mentioned like Bed Bath & Beyond who are doing a lot of big things as well. Let's pause for a bit of good news. Walmart announced last week it's kicking off a pilot with Cruise, a General Motors subsidiary, to better understand how driverless cars could be used for deliveries. And starting next year, customers in Scottsdale, Arizona can order from their local store and get their purchases dropped off by a Cruise car. So let's move on from America to China for our last topic of the day. It's huge every year. It's China's Singles Day, the world's biggest digital shopping event. It brought in a record-breaking $115 billion in sales across Alibaba and JD.com, their e-commerce platforms last week. So more than 250,000 brands participated. That included over 200 luxury brands. Prada and Cartier even joined in on the fun this year. Nike also released its Air Jordan 6 Women's Singles Day sneaker. And the event brought in big names from the U.S. entertainment industry. They announced a partnership between Alibaba and Bravado, which is Universal's music group's merchandising and brand management arm. And they pre-launched merchandise that was tied to Taylor Swift's latest album, while pop singer Katy Perry performed over livestream. And speaking of livestream, Corsight Research estimated that the livestreaming market in China will bring in about $125 billion in sales this year. That's up from $63 billion in 2019. Christine, a few brands such as Urban Outfitters and Tarte Cosmetics offered single-day sales in the U.S. this year. Do you think there's potential for Singles Day to become a holiday here in the United States, in Canada? Why or why not? I do. I 100% do. I actually think we already have it, sort of. I'll tell you why. I think that Prime Day is our Singles Day. I think that we would never call it Singles Day. We would call it like treat yourself day. And I think that a shopping event not tied around necessarily gift giving to someone else, but truly 
gift giving to yourself, which is the premise for Singles Day, the groundwork is there for us to really capitalize on it. And so just like Singles Day, where JD now has piggybacked on something that Alibaba created, Target and Walmart piggybacked on Prime Day, which is what Amazon created. And I think it can Mm. spread out to all the way through all of different retailers down to independent retailers as well. So looking at the Prime Day spend, which was about $10.4 billion, and looking at just the Alibaba spend, $74.1 billion, it's about $32 per capita in the U.S. and $54 per capita in China. That tells us that the potentiality for it is there. That being said, I think that if you are an American brand, you must participate in Singles Day. This is not one or the other. You participate in both. I like how you said, call it Treat Yourself Day, Christine. I I like that a lot. And the parallels you drew between JD piggybacking on Alibaba's Singles Day, just how we saw Target and Walmart put up their huge promotions the same week as Prime Day with Amazon. Do you agree, Bob, that if you're an American brand, like Christine said, you should totally be operating and selling on Singles Day as well? So uh, the only thing I would say, Singles Day is about 30 years old. It started off as Bachelor's Day. It was only celebrated by young men. So there's a huge call. It started on universities. So uh, it was an excuse to do blind dates. It's got a whole social component that people have grown up with, decades have grown up with this behavior. I think it's, again, another excuse to uh, have a sale, which, okay, great. Amazon's doing it. Everyone else is doing it. I certainly get how, Christine, how you get there, but I don't think it's got legs in the U.S. I think you don't have the history underneath it. I think I get that Prime does. I think Amazon is definitely going to get more scrutiny to be broken up or to divest itself of AWS and some of the other things as it moves forward. I don't think most people would be willing to adopt the Prime name. I can certainly imagine that most uh, smaller retailers wouldn't want to do that. So... um, We agree on much, but I don't agree on that one. I actually think having a history to it is better than um, and more meaningful than Prime Day, which is really just the behemoth of Amazon kind of creating commercialism, which kind of has zero reason to engage. But people do. Um, So the history of Singles Day is actually I see it as a positive and where it came from doesn't really matter where where it's going. It's now an event. And the thing that's missing around Prime Day is the events around it and the sort of theatrics, which I think are great. Um, It's a celebration of just being you. And I think that that's okay. American brands did about $5 billion on in this particular singles day with the leaders being Estee Lauder, Levi's, and Nike. And we found that small DTC brands are participating and getting a ton of support from Alibaba. So Allbirds had their first singles day and had a ton of, um, during COVID, support from Alibaba doing live selling on their platform like we have here with Facebook. And so there was a buildup of brand recognition. But in terms of the potentiality, look, if you have a brand and you want to be throughout China and you don't want the expense of building brick and mortar, 
you do it with Alibaba and you do it on Singles Day. And it's built into your whole digital strategy for there. Um, so I believe it's a really important, it's like saying like, oh, I don't want to have a Black, I don't want to participate in Black Friday retail. We have our history and they have their history with it. So I think that it's really critical. And I think for Brent, for in order to penetrate the market, bar none, there's probably no other better way. And then I think also the doubling of the volume that they did this year is because they too have pent up demand. Most of those purchases would have been made in our brick and mortar stores if they could have traveled here. Well, calling Nike is successful at anything as proof of something isn't really, and that's like painting the lily in my book. Nike's an amazing commerce generator for millions of reasons around the world. So uh, we, we agree to differ on this. I just don't think Singles Day is going to get leverage in the States. Uh, plus the name of it is going to be problematic, I think. I would agree with you on that. I just want to make one more thing. I mean, as much as, as we may think that Amazon may be broken up, I mean, the the strangest thing was that the Chinese government wanted the world, they wanted Singles Day to be huge, and it was huge, double the amount of volume from the year before. They wanted to show the speed and strength of the recovery of the Chinese economy post-COVID. And on the same day, they put a crackdown on this very businesses that were running on the platform for Singles Day with a lot of anticipation coming that they too will be broken up. Very dichotomous, very strange timing of events. And both agendas were accomplished very well. Yes, they've recovered. Yes, they're that massive consumer. And yes, the Chinese are watching every company within their four walls and they're preventing any kind of monopoly. And just a final comment I will add to both of your thoughts is um, I've been interviewing people for our luxury series and a lot of the consultants who cover the APAC region and luxury retailers I've interviewed based in China have said that there is an element, I think they did use this word of Chinese nationalism. And so they said, at least for a more luxury brand, there is a whole strategy behind breaking into the market where you really do have to have elements of local that you show to consumers there. And that was just their advice. But that might just be luxury. I think your example with Allbird Shoes and their DTC movement there and the live streaming is positive and shows that there might be a space for certain brands in that area. Well, actually, to your point, very interesting. Allbirds did a special Singles Day shoe with a history tied to that uh, ah, special shoe. So, yes, I would guess as an important component to making that psychological connection to the Chinese customer. Wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool, Christine. Well, great comments. I really loved hearing from you guys today. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Christine, it was great to have you on the show, and I hope you come back in the future as well. And let's have a great week in retail. There's a lot of good news going on. Thank you. You've been listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. If you would like to be considered as a guest on our show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. For sponsorship opportunities, send us an email at media at rethink.industries. You can help support our team at Rethink Retail by dropping us a rating and review on your iTunes podcast app. To each and every one of you, thanks so much for tuning in. Retail never sleeps. See you next week.